everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where we are celebrating Israel's 73rd birthday today. Chag Sameach to all. And never have I felt this way, this far away, I should say, from our homeland in my life. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. Chag Sameach to all. I am Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Just lost hearing in my right ear. We'll talk about that in a second. And the voice and face of my new little project, Breaking Bread. Yes, you can check us out on Breaking Bread Oven on Instagram. I am breaking it. I am breaking. I am baking an insane amount of challah these days. You can follow my journey. I'm literally just doing it because I'm having fun. Um, that That's really it. People keep asking me about it. If there's a contest, who's going to win? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing here. I'm literally just breaking, baking challah, breaking bread with you, and having a good time. So follow me on Instagram, Breaking Bread Oven on Instagram, and of course, Miriam L. Wallach as well. And you can find me here right every Thursday, right after Allison, and right before Nahum's live lunch. So much to get to today. I just want to explain what I mean about the hearing loss. Um, I was gifted a new set of headphones here in the studio, which, I, okay, to normal people is not a big deal. But to me, it's very exciting. I'm literally the first pe- first person to wear these new headsets, and I'm very excited. These are mine. These are these are mine, and that's great. Somehow or another, because they're brand new, they work really well. So the uh, volume adjustments that needed to be made so that the audio going into these headsets was properly adjusted wasn't done in advance, frankly, which is fine, but um, it scared the living daylights out of me when the music went on. Yep, but uh, hopefully I'll recover from that. Also, I just wanted to tell you that um, two years ago for my son's bar mitzvah, we gave out the Koren Yom HaTzma'ut, um, the Yom HaTzma'ut Machsor, which is a beautiful Machsor. And I'm sure that just like so many other people, you've enjoyed the different Yom HaTzma'ut celebrations that have come out of Israel and have been shared many times already on social media. You can check out what I've posted on Twitter if you want to see what uh, what made me smile, and I was super excited to pull out our machzorim this morning and make sure my kids took them to school. Fabulous, and I put mine aside. I was all excited because, you know, like so many other people, I'm going to dive it on the Long Island Railroad when I sit down in my seat and I'm able to focus and whatever, and it was so great, except that I brought my uh, Rosh Hashanah machzor instead, and I could not for the life of me figure out what was going on. And, um, yeah, and I'm like, since when is there a... Yom Rishon and a Yom Shani to uh, Yom Atzmut. There isn't. Uh, yeah. But I will tell you that the Kohen Rosh Hashanah Machser is also very beautiful, but not at all practical on Yom Atzmut. Okay. National holidays here in the United States include income tax payday. Yes, everyone knows that it's been pushed off until May, and that's great. But if you are outside of the parameters for someone who is able to push it off, you still need to have either filed by today or filed an extension. And boy, did we learn that the hard way regarding my mother's estate. It's also Jackie Robinson Day. It is also High Five Day, which only makes me want to give a shout out to Mayor Kay, who was the guy you high-fived. Yeah, you remember that whole high-five campaign? Can't do that during COVID, but it makes me want to give a shout-out to our friend, Mayor Kay. It's also One Boston Day and National American Sign Language Day, which I think, frankly, is very cool. And we have also, oh, I didn't even realize this, it's Rubber Eraser Day. Who uses rubber erasers anymore? The only kind of eraser I use is the Mr. Clean Eraser. I don't know what they have in that thing, but my God, it takes out everything. It's World Art Day. 
So a shout out to my mom of blessed memory, World Art Day. And it is Take a Wild Guest Day. And we will be playing Take a Wild Guest Day on today's live lunch. Yep, take a wild guess. It's going to make Nahum crazy. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and I'm excited to invite another member of JAMA to join me on the air this morning, not only to talk about vaccines, but to talk about Yom Ha'atzmaut. And I'm sure you've already realized the connection that exists between those two topics. Dr. Elisa Minkin joins me this morning. She's the chair of JAMA, preventative health, and host of JAMA's podcast, which provides health education geared to the Orthodox community. Dr. Minkin also produces the JAMA Preventative Health Hotline, and she's a board-certified pediatrician in Oceanside, New York. She attended John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University and followed by NYU School of Medicine. She completed her internship and residency at Brookdale University Hospital and Medical Center. Since its inception in, in November 2019, JAMA's podcast and hotline have garnered over 12,000 downloads and calls in addition to the hundreds of views on JAMA's YouTube channel. Dr. Minkin is an active member of the Haredi Health Council, which serves as a liaison between NYC's Department of Health and the Haredi community. JAMA's podcast has released 19 episodes covering COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccination, including many recent episodes. And her public health efforts on behalf of the Orthodox community have been featured in numerous Orthodox media outlets, including Mishpacha, Wellspring Magazine, and of course here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Dr. Minkin, good, jo- good morning, and thank you for joining me this morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Totally my pleasure. And let's start by by literally celebrating Israel, not only its birthday, but by the fact that everyone is able to celebrate together. And Doc, right. let, let me... I get it. Yep. I was waiting for the connection. <laughs> Good. I know you do. I know you do. Because anybody knows that two plus two really does equal four. So is it safe to say, Doc, that because of Israel's rush and focus on vaccination, that it has clearly paid off? Oh my gosh, it has. It has. So, so true. And watching the videos, watch. Sorry to interrupt, but be, mm-hmm. but I'm on this, you know, blue and white kick right now, and and, I, and I'm sure you are as well. But watching those videos come out out of Israel, it only makes me say to myself, "What are people here waiting for? What are you waiting for? Right. Don't you want that?" Right. This is what herd immunity can look like. Right. Right. Yeah. This is what herd immunity can look like. Let's let's take let's take a step back for a second. What do we need to do to achieve herd immunity? So basically, we need to get most people vaccinated. That's really what it boils down to. And what does that mean? Most people is 60%, most people is 70%? No, we're looking at least. One second, Dr. Minky, you jumped, you dropped out a bit. Say that again? I'm sorry, we're, we're, we're looking at at least 80 to 85. I mean, we don't know for sure, and right now we can't vaccinate the children right. and, the, and the young adults. So, I mean, they're looking at trying to get Pfizer get an uh, emergency use authorization for age 12 to 15. And I know this is a controversial topic, you know, um, but if we could get more people immunized, then we could get there. I mean, Israel has done, you know, young adults and up. I don't know. I think they're doing children there, too. I don't know. I can't speak to that. Not. I I shouldn't speak to it either. Maybe just the young adults, because. I actually don't know. But, but let's talk again about what herd immunity, what, what life with herd immunity will look like. It'll look like the videos coming out of Israel, won't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors. Don't push my back against the wall here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do have the variants out there. Right. But, you know, 
they were very quick, very efficient, and it's paid off. That we can say. Right. And the data coming out of Israel is is tremendous. And and tell us what some of that data looks like. So I don't have it at my fingertips. Okay. But they they have immunized. No, for sure, the, the vast bulk of their adult population and the rate of hospitalizations has gone way down, the, the people dying has gone way down. I believe the incidence of COVID is going way down. And just, so that means severe and even milder disease appears to be dropping. That's incredible. And that's incredible. incredible. And that's not what we expected, correct? In a million years, I mean, I shouldn't say in a million years, but, but we didn't expect that with the vaccination, the the um, we would have that result as well. I know that going for the vaccine, and I was happy and thrilled, uh, honestly, to be able to get an appointment and to get the J&J, and I have had absolutely none of the reactions that have come out in the news this week. And we'll, very rare. Yeah, and yeah. we'll discuss that in a second. We can discuss yeah. all the other things that are more likely to happen than a clot from J&J, but let's just do right. that later, right? Let's right, do that. Right. absolutely. Yeah, let's do that in a few minutes. But... But all of the 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 things that we were hoping for out out of the vaccinations, we're getting more than we expected, correct? Right, right. I mean, we had hoped for you know maybe fifty to sixty percent. We weren't thinking we would get eighty to ninety percent. Um, and it's not just severe disease; it's also, like I said, we see in Israel that it's also limiting the spread of the disease. It's also limiting the spread of even asymptomatic. We weren't expecting at all. So it's tremendous. It's really tremendous. But it depends on how, you know, how thoroughly you can vaccinate a population. If you're vaccinating a small percent like we're at in the United States right now, you can't expect magic. Right. In Israel, we're seeing magic. Right. A hundred percent. And so let's 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 continue this conversation for a second about herd immunity. Are are there real concerns that we won't achieve herd immunity here in the United States? I mean, a Pardon me, but a ridiculous article came out this morning that talked about um, how half of Republicans, I, I promise, how half of Republicans, given the choice, would not vaccinate. And therefore, mm-hmm. there are concerns about being able to achieve herd immunity in the United States. Now, let's put aside the Republican versus Democrat um, <laughs> you know, designation here, because I, I think that that just obviously distracts us from the real question. Right. The real question. Oh, wow. Right. The real question. Are we concerned that we will not be able to achieve herd immunity in the United States? We absolutely are. It's going to be a struggle. It is a struggle. Johnson and Johnson, when we get to that, we'll see if it's going to make it even harder. Johnson and Johnson is going to make it even harder. Not the, vac- not the vaccine, but the putting it on pause and the way it's played out in the media. Got it. So it's let's going to make it even harder. Good. So now let's talk about J and J. The concerns that came out with J and J is that there is a one in how many chance of throwing a blood one, approximately one in a million. Good. So one in a million chance of getting of throwing a blood clot within something like seventy two hours of getting the injection. I think it's a couple weeks. Oh, okay, fine. Even so, I'm six weeks past, folks. I feel great. Um, just what like, yeah, I, I, I am the other 900, whatever number that is that feel absolutely fine. Um, and the, the conversation then that, that arose as a result of these concerns and the pausing of the J and J vaccine on the one hand gave anti-vaxxers what they felt were more, was more ammo. And on the other hand, you have all the people who are looking at this logically saying, Hey, this is a first rollout of a vaccine. This is what happens with vaccines. This is why we do follow-ups. This is why the vac- vaccinations are actually effective. Isn't that the way we should be looking at it? 
Right, and we can also look at it that it shows the system is working, that even a rare side effect is being picked up. Right. And that there is, um, and and that caution, right? A lot of caution, <laughs> but but cautious optimism, right? And right. that it, it all depends on how people perceive it. Unfortunately, I think that people who are hesitant are now even more scared, especially because the media, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, they are playing this up. They've been playing it up for all that it's worth every time somebody describes something. And I know and that it doesn't always mean that something happens after something it's caused by the something. So they're pausing it so they can investigate the connection. And there may very well be a direct connection or there may not be because these kind of things happen to people all the time and it may happen after a vaccine. Right. Right. So Dorit Rubenstein Reese, who's a lawyer who I did a um, podcast with called I'm not anti-vax, but that imagine if I had a lineup of people and touched them all on the shoulder. Well, within 24 hours or a week or two weeks, they may die of a heart attack and they may say, oh, it's because you touched me on the shoulder. Right. right? There's always a background rate of things happening and you have to compare it to the background rate. A hundred percent. So for so right. for laymen like me, so for mm-hmm. laymen like me, for the for the person who, you know, attended bio three times in her entire mm-hmm. college experience, <laughs> we can talk about that another time. What would you say if I said to you, this, you know, e- this one in a million chance still makes me nervous. This one in a million chance still scares me. Convince me that 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 it's still worth getting. Right. Well, you're comparing that one in a million chance to the much, much higher rate of that side effect, worse side effects and death from COVID. You're not just taking this vaccine in a vacuum. You're taking it to prevent COVID, and COVID is everywhere. It's not like it's a rare disease. Unfortunately, in America, it's quite common. And 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 in terms of weighing our odds, right? Let's again talking to the layman because you and you are the one who answers the hotline. You are the one who speaks to people like me. You are the one who speaks to children who have concerns about getting shots every single day. You're, every day. Right, every day. You're going to tell your patient, you're going to tell people like me that the chances of getting sick from COVID and getting so sick from COVID that you end up in the hospital and heaven forbid die are much greater chances than anything that this one in a million side effect could possibly cause. That's absolutely correct. And a lot of people are concerned about long-term effects of the vaccine. They say, what are the long-term effects of the vaccine? Now, clearly, we don't have long-term. It's a new <laughs> right. vaccine. But but what we do know is the long-term effects of COVID. And that's uh. something that's getting out in the news now. And actually, I'm doing a podcast minutes after I hang up the phone from you with Dr. Sharon Stahl, who's a, um amazing neurologist about long-term COVID. Right. The long so haulers. Common. The lo- common. And by the way, they're finding it in children as well, uh. not insignificant. We don't have the great data on it yet, but it's not insignificant. And something else, I mean, it's I hate to say this because it's, Scary, and as a pediatrician, I spend all day trying to reassure parents that if their child does get COVID, the vast likelihood is they'll be fine. Almost 300 children have died of COVID in the United States. I did not know that number. I know I didn't either. One of the flu this year, by the way, it's usually about 200 of the flu, but one of the flu and almost 300 of COVID. Oh, my word. I did yeah. not know that. That is startling. Yeah. That is yeah. startling. And can I, I mean... I'd like to sleep well tonight, Doc. Can I assume that these children... No, not at all. Not at all. These numbers are so important. But can I assume that these children possibly had pre-existing conditions that made them... Okay. Yes. I don't know all the data. I don't have the, you know, the data to divide it. But um, I do would guess that the majority of them, not all of them, not all of them. So, like I said, I read a story where one particular child had no pre-existing conditions and and died of COVID. It can happen. Right. 
the chances are much lower, just like the chance of getting a blood clot from the Johnson & Johnson is one in a million, right. right? It would be extremely rare for an otherwise healthy child to die of COVID. But it is not risk-free even for children. So the conversation about vaccinating children has to take into account that COVID is not completely harmless for children. We, we, weigh, we weigh risks every single day, don't we, Doc? Correct. We, we Correct. don't. Right. We have. That's what we do. Not only as parents, but as humans. We get in our cars. We get on planes. We go to work. We do whatever we're supposed to do. We weigh risks every single day. So the risk, so the, the extreme caution, let's put it that way, the extreme caution taken now by Johnson & Johnson in pausing the vaccine was because they want to limit that risk even further and therefore... And therefore, just remind the public how, number one, responsible they're being, and number two, how seriously they're taking this. Correct. Correct. Safety has to come first, second, last, and in between. Right. A hundred percent. Dr. Elisa Minkin joins us this morning. We are here at That's Life discussing vaccinations and discussing Israel and the beauty of the celebrations that are coming out of Israel as a result of the herd immunity, because that's what we're saying. That is what herd immunity looks like. You know, a number of people, Doc, have posted on social media in in reaction to the um, celebratory messages coming out of the UAE, wishing Israel a happy birthday. Members of the Emirati community, different ambassadors who are now from the UAE who are in Israel, and people are commenting in a mil- in their lifetime they never would have expected such wishes. And look at the difference in where we are a year ago, Yom Hatzma'ut, and a year later, Yom Hatzma'ut. Besides the fact, and I'm not minimizing it, of course, that these birthday wishes from members of the of the UAE are astounding. Would you have told me a year ago on Yom Hatzma'ut that we would have a vaccine or three vaccines or five or six different vaccines available on this planet in a year? Would you have been able to say that? It, it, it has to only come from Hashem. Yes. It has to only come from Hashem. I have no other answer. I, I cannot believe it. And that they're as effective as they are. Like I said, we did not anticipate them to be. We did not even hope that they could be as effective as they are. It, it, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, if this is, you know, it's it's not to get all spiritual, though you though you brought me there, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Saying Hallel this morning, I, I mean, th- there were so many things that I said Hallel on this morning. I mean, a year later, look where we are. What a, what a bracha, what a bracha it really is to have this medicine and to, and, and I, I mean, I cried the whole way home. I've said this, I don't know how many times already on the air. I cried the whole way home after I left the Javits Center, after, after getting my J and J shot, not cause I was in pain, <laughs> Let's, right, right. but I was so emotional and I'm sure that as a pediatrician, you can also appreciate this, that I was so torn as a parent. I know that my kids who are not eligible for vaccines because they're too young, just aren't getting to get it now no matter what it wasn't like I was taking something away from them but knowing that I had something that could that would keep me healthy that I couldn't give my kids left me at, with, with such a such a void such a an emotional moment that besides the fact that I, I made the bracha after I got the vaccine and this with this wonderful nurse <laughs> said amen to my blessing right afterwards Aww. i know it was such a great moment and and i had that new york moment shared with all of these new yorkers and i get into the car and i burst out in tears and my husband does not know what to do with himself because he doesn't know where my tears are coming from and i'm overwhelmed by the emotion and the enormity that god has given us this gift he has given right, us but, this gift right but remember that we are studying it on children and the and the is to get 
enough data to show that it's the risk benefit is in favor of vaccinating children right. as well. Like I said, where Pfizer has data, they're going for the emergency use authorization for 12 to 15. It's an amazing, I have one of my kids, one of my kids has been begging us to allow her to be part of um, the test, to Mm -hmm. to be allowed to be part of the trial. Thank you. And, and because it is not located anywhere near Long Island, I have, (laughs) I, we, we have had to stall that. But I, I I said to her, you know, she's, she's a kid, she's a kid and she wants to be part of the test. She wants to put herself in that trial to improve medicine. And it, and I said to her, what makes you want to do this? And she said, because they need people like me. And it, and I'll tell you something, Doc. It hit me that I have a 14-year-old kid who's ready to sign up, and I have a 30-year-old niece who won't go anywhere near it. So I, I guess what I'm, I guess where my question brings me to now is with all of the advocating that JALMA is doing, and I applaud all of your efforts and all of the efforts that you personally have been doing, are you seeing the tide change? Are people looking to you and saying, okay, I wasn't willing to do it before, but I'm willing to do it now? Yep. Yes. The answer to that is yes. And and that's that, oh, that's across the board in different communities. No, 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 no. I don't have data for that. No, I understand that. that. Anecdotally, from individual conversations, from emails, and from some preliminary data we got from our first event. We just had our first event on Sunday, our first right. major event, and we had thousands of people tune in, which is awesome. And right. we're going to continue to, you know, have we have the recording, and we're going to be putting it up on our hotline. Um, so for the preliminary data we have showed that about 30% went in hesitant and only 10% came out still hesitant. So that's wow. two out of three. Yeah. It's a small sample, you know. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the and, and by the way, for anybody listening who still has their concerns, listen to what 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 Dr. Minkin just said. People are getting the information and they're changing their minds. You too can change your mind. I understand that there are concerns, but you too can change your mind. Be open to it. It is going to save lives. That's what it's doing. It is going to save lives. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Doc? You know, so I do want to say that people who are hesitant are scared, and I think we have to understand the fear and respond to it compassionately and with good information and not, you know, not or, but Dr. Naorbarzev, who is unbelievable, who was in our panel on Sunday, always likes to say, I don't want to be hashtag vaccines. I don't want to be, you know, exaggerating. I won't even correct myself that if I said a misstatement about this is what herd immunity looks like, I don't want to undermine that statement. But I'm not sure that Israel is at herd immunity, um, but we're getting very close. Right. Um, and it's amazing. So I don't want to, I want to be very, very careful with what I say and not exaggerate because I don't think exaggeration, you know, propaganda is the way. I think the way is being calm understanding, give good, trustworthy information. It's trust has to be earned. About 100%. That is, yeah. and, and, and that is such an important point because that's where part of the failure exists in people being able to trust people mm-hmm. of authority. In the last year and a half, we have had, mm-hmm. we have had our trust eroded. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and working on behalf of the scientific community to gain back the trust of laymen like me, it is your honesty that is not only refreshing, but want, that makes me even trust you more because your your transparency, and I think that's such an important point here, transparency of the scientific community that we don't know everything, but we know this much is so important. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I applaud you. Critical. Uh, yeah, 100%. I applaud you and your efforts. And I have to tell you, my kids don't go to your practice. We don't live in Oceanside. But your, your patients are lucky to have you. Thank you so much. Absolutely my pleasure. Continued Hatzlacha to everyone at JAMA on this unbelievable effort. And may we achieve herd immunity very soon in our time. Amen. Can you hear it, son? Amen. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Whew, a full afternoon of programming continues here. I am, I am both inspired and exhausted and begging people that if you have not gotten your vaccine and you are eligible, please please make yourself an appointment. The afternoon continues with a full day of programming. The live lunch hosted by Nachum Siegel begins in just a few moments. Throwback Thursday at 1 p.m. Encore of JM Rewind at 4 p.m. Don't miss an entire day of programming. Tomorrow morning, Nachum hosts JM in the AM as he has done, I don't know, you know, for the last 38 years of his life or so, you know, in case you were just wondering. He's been doing it forever. You want to talk about stalwart voices during Corona, during this pandemic? It's Nachum Siegel at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. Motzei Shabbat. Avrami, one of our favorite olim. God, was that a day when we were able to be part of that? We'll talk about that first off. As part of the live lunch, boy, am I missing Israel today. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel. This Motzei Shabbat. 9 p.m. and Matzah's host JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Sunday morning. We will close today with Shweki's Libiba Mizrach. I, I can't even, I don't, Ainli Milim, there are no words to capture just how much I'm missing being in Israel today. Chag Samer to everyone. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Mara